Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Cabin Devils, and it's really awesome to have you guys here. Really great to see you. This is uh, Friday, the last Friday of the month of uh, October. The new month is coming up. The new month comes up with awesome news, especially for those of you who are receiving your salary, whether you worked or not, your boss is going to pay you. Isn't that awesome? But uh, you can't pull that off for long. But really great to have you. Uh, this evening I will look at the prodigal son returning the prodigal son returning that will be our story for this evening and I pray that uh, you get some principles on how to rekindle a relationship that went bad now I must confess that there's a very big possibility that I over advertised today's show and uh, I know most of you may be looking out for tips and uh, best practices on how to go back and get the girl that uh, you might have lost or win the guy over that you might have lost. But the general principle here is how do we rekindle a relationship that we lost? And as we start, I'm going to read for you this story of the prodigal son. It's been told in Sunday school, it's been told in church almost your whole life, but I pray that tonight as we listen to this story again, that your hearts maybe will uh, pick up something new, maybe a principle or two. And the question I'm going to be asking tonight is, what principles or what similarities do you see uh, when it comes to rekindling a lost relationship? Just mention one or two things that uh, maybe lessons from the prodigal son that you think are important when it comes to rekindling or relighting or reflaming a relationship that has been lost. And here is the story from Luke uh, chapter 15. Luke 15 from verse 11. Let me read this for you. And he said, and this is Christ, and Jesus said, there was a rich man, there was a man, sorry, who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with my hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, I, and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me, treat me as, as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy uh, to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a, ri a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this 
My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field. And when he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safely, safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young god that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devolved your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost, and he is found. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that story is always interesting to just uh, go back and visit and, and reread. But it's more than a story. It is scripture. It's the words of Christ. He was teaching a particular lesson to those who are listening at that point. And tonight, I would like us to just... Uh, just just go ahead and post for me in the comments there in the in the messages what is the one thing that you think is uh, is a similarity between this story and how to rekindle a broken relationship maybe you could be the one who was sinned against you could be the one that sinned against the other and walked away you could be the one who is doing well and uh, everything is okay with you maybe that's the older son but what similarities do you see between this particular story of the prodigal son and how to rekindle a broken relationship. I can see here Noel is saying that uh, from that story, I can say that most relationships are broken as a result, as a direct result of our sinful attitudes and behavior. Also caught in James uh, 4.1-2, uh, it says, so I would say we need to look at the intentions of our heart as we seek to restore and rekindle the relationship. The prodigal son was also humble enough to go back and to seek forgiveness. God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'd like to know what the rest of you think. And if typing is slow for you, please, you can call in. You can call in. It will be awesome to hear from you. I've not heard from you, Agatha, in a long time. I don't even think I've heard from Agatha on this show. Agatha, please call in. We would like to hear from you. And if you agree that Agatha needs to call in, give me a thumbs up. Give me a thumbs up. Give me a thumbs up. Just put a thumbs up. Let's see how many of you are going to vote for Agatha to call in. If we get 10, Agatha will have to call in. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, five. Five more to go. Five more to go. Six. Four more to go. Four more to go. It makes me understand. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. Joachim and uh, Agatha. Agatha, we are waiting for you. Agatha, we are waiting for you. More than 10 votes for Agatha to call in. And just tell us, how do we rekindle this broken relationship if it were to happen? Uh, to us, if uh... yes, yes, I've been in a relationship that did end, and uh, 
unfortunately the relationship was not rekindled but we stayed friends so i think the biggest thing is uh, the issue of selfishness because as you're in a relationship you think what you are feeling or what you think is what is right and rarely do you think about the other party and how your actions are affecting them or how even just being you can be irritating for them so i think mm. the biggest thing is selfishness so once you come to the realization that unfortunately you're selfish then that i think is the beginning step of um healing or rekindling the relationship which i think is where the prodigal son was at by the time he started eating with the swine and by that point he realized how selfish he had been and that was the beginning step for him i i think so what advice would you give to someone who may be struggling with letting go of that uh, attitude of selfishness uh, of uh, pride i would think the first thing of course would, would be to first of all put everything aside your ego your pride your everything uh, blame shifting just put everything aside knowing that you are approaching this person not with the intention of expecting them to forgive you but you're hoping that they will forgive you and they will take you back and they will you know rekindle their friendship or relationship um, but yeah the first thing would be to put everything aside and know that i'm laying myself bare i'm heading towards this person vulnerable and just open expecting nothing but hoping for the best so that would be the beginning step then from there of course you don't since you're not expecting anything whatever comes your way you will so to speak be ready for it uh, because you don't go to the person who's obviously expecting that they'll forgive you they might even make it harder for you but then all this would be in my opinion um lessons for me as a person to learn lessons to grow me to challenge me maybe towards just being accepting less selfish despite the fact that we are of course selfish human beings but just an opportunity for me to grow and to learn to next time deal with uh, the same situation in a much better way so i don't know if that helps david Amen, Agatha. Thank you. Thank you. That, that, was, that was awesome. I think uh, when you mentioned going back to the individual and not expecting anything from them, and you even pushed it further, not to expect forgiveness from them, I think is, yeah. is really profound because I think that's what even the prodigal son did. He said, I'm not going back as a son. I'm going to go back to my yeah. father and I'll tell him, Father, uh, just treat me like one of your servants and uh, that's okay with me that's okay with me and so i think it's a great lesson that we we learn uh, from that particular story for a long time now we have been looking at uh, relationships relationships are difficult why because they are painful there's emotions attached to them um, i mean the bible does liken a marriage to the two becoming one one flesh it's it's just it's just a mess 
uh, when, when that relationship is broken, especially between husband and wife. But it doesn't mean it's less painful between fiancés or between boyfriend and girlfriend. It doesn't mean it's less painful between uh, father-son. It doesn't mean it is less painful between friends, mere friends, uh, who may not have anything uh, beyond the friendship. And so relationships are difficult. Relationships are very, very painful. And uh, hearts literally break. Actually, I was looking through the internet earlier on today, just looking at what it means to be heartbroken. And they say that people that are heartbroken, literally, their, um, their blood pressure goes down. Okay, for some who may be anxious, their blood pressure may go up. But hearts are literally involved in the process of a heartbreak or a broken relationship. It is not something anyone should ever take uh, for granted. And, uh, and I know by you guys tuning in tonight, you're thinking about the same thing. You're thinking about relationships either that are going well or relationships that are broken. But I want to draw your attention this evening to one of the most important relationships. Why do I draw our attention to a relationship with God? Because I believe 100% that once our relationship with God is proper, once our relationship with God is healthy, our relationship with other people will be healthy, even in moments where we may not agree, even in moments where we may need to go different directions, especially for those who might be dating. It's important that our relationship with God is in the right place. And so that's what I really want us to think about tonight as we look at this topic, as we look at this story of the prodigal son. And so going back to the beginning of this story, you're going to realize something. There is a relationship between the father and the son. Okay? We'll be looking at relationships, yes. We are seeing the relationship between the father and the son. And the question is, what is the similarity? There are several. There are several. But one of the things I'd like us to focus on this evening, like I said, is the relationship between us and the father. But to be more specific, I'd like you to take a minute and ask yourself the question, where have I walked away from God? In what ways have I walked away from God? And if you're genuine enough, it may not be several ways you've walked away from God. It might be one way you have walked away from God. And in me asking that question, I must... Uh, I, Part of me wants to really believe that you have thought about that one area. So keep that one area in mind. Like uh, I want to say, Simba Wakati, put a stick there, put a peg right there on that particular issue that we're talking about, where you have walked away from God. And as we review this story, I pray that we'll come at the end and pick up that stick, literally. And if it were campfire, maybe at Word of Life, you would take that stick and throw it in the fire and say, God, I'm committing this situation to you. Lord, I'm committing this particular issue in my life to you. Please, just, just think about that issue. Don't forget it. If you can write it down, please write it down. If it's a message you can maybe write down right now in your messages and don't send it, note it somewhere because I'd like us to come back and pick it up at the end of this story. What is that one area? What is that one area? What is that one area? And so looking at verse 11 of Luke 15, you're seeing this man had two sons. I, for some reason, we come up um, at the beginning of the chapter and Christ is, uh, is talking about lost things. Okay? In chapter 1, 
I mean, in verse 1 of chapter 15, he's talking about the lost sheep, okay? And this sheep is found. Then we come to chap uh, verse 8, he talks about the lost coin. And this coin is found. And you're going to, if you're looking at context, you're going to realize that these are lost things. They're lost things, okay? But you're going to see joy that is coming up at the end when this lost thing has been found. But we come to verse 11, and he talks about two sons. And I want to believe both these sons were lost. Both these sons were lost. He's talking about two sons, but the young one comes to Christ. I mean to the father first. Comes to the father first and, and says, give me, give me my share. Give me my share of the estate. And uh, it's... I have been in a situation not similar to this. In, in, the, in the same way. When my dad passed away, he... He left some pieces of property uh, with us as sons. They were, they were, they were, it was land. And uh, for each of his children, he gave them a piece of land. And a moment came for me when I, in my childhood, I figured, you know what? I need to start growing some stuff in this garden. I was still a child. And my mom was growing that particular piece of land. And I told my mom, mom, I want to uh start growing my own food in that particular area that dad left for me i still remember my mom's attitude on the face the eye that she gave me you know when the scriptures talk about i'll guide you with my eye i think i saw it at that moment i saw it at that moment in my mom's eye because traditionally it means something now in my father's will my mom is the administrator okay of this land until the right moment comes and my according to my mama at that point she's thinking the right age has not yet come i'm reading all these things from her face you don't ask for a share of your estate when your father is still alive you don't you don't and this must have been not only embarrassing to the son but also embarrassing to the father give it to me and give it to me now but the interesting part is what happens after this asking you would think the guy is going to do something sensible with this particular amount of money or whatever it is um, that he's been given i'm sure it was liquidated because i don't think he left with cows and all the donkeys and all the horses it could be but i think it was liquidated and uh, this guy carries on to go to a land where he will enjoy everything but one thing we notice is this there was a disregard of the father's instructions. There was a disregard of the father's fellowship on, and, and who he really is. It's a, not only an acceptance of the wealth, but a rejection of the father. He says, I do not want you anymore. I do not want you anymore. And so usually when a relationship is broken, we feel rejected why not just our 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 what what do they call it it's not just our our views that are rejected it's not just our contribution to the argument that is rejected but we feel rejected as individuals and for every conflict there's a sense in which someone begins to think does he really think i'm not wise enough to come up with the best solution to whatever is going on there's a sense in which it is not just the points being mentioned it's not just a contribution to the conversation or 
what the person thinks. There's a sense in which the individual feels like, ah, they've rejected not only just my views, but they've rejected me as an individual. And so the question one begins to ask in this broken state is, what is wrong with me that this individual at this point rejects me? When we think about God and the relationship we have with him and how we sometimes walk away, we are not walking away only from biblical principles. We're not only walking away from his commandments. We're not walking away from his his instructions. We are walking away from him. We are walking away from the Father. We are walking away from the person of Jesus Christ when we neglect his instructions. So it's more than, I don't think anyone will find out. It's more than, I will suffer the consequences myself. It is more than that, we are rejecting the person themselves. We're rejecting Christ himself when we walk away from him. And so as we think about relationships, let's keep in mind the ultimate relationship, the ultimate relationship between us and God. And that is point number two. We're not only rejecting the instructions, we're rejecting the person themselves. And we move on. We come to verse 13. It says, days later, the younger son gathered all he had. He went away and spent all of it in reckless living. Verse 14, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And there's always that moment where you begin to realize, I think I made a mistake. That mistake comes to you in a more clear way than ever, either because of the consequences of sin and you look back and say, now, I think this is wrong. It's clear. It's clear. It could be shame as well. Uh, because what happened to this guy is what he begins to do after. And uh, I, I like the the, the, the the skip guys when they told this story. When they asked this guy what he was doing, he said he was, I think the, the title he got himself was a bacon preparation manager. Philip Pigs bacon preparation manager, but there must have been a compromise to the point that this guy ends up feeding pigs. There's a compromise that for a Jew to start feeding pigs, that was a realization. And then when you start longing for the pods with which the pigs are fed, that is extreme. That is extreme. Leave alone touching a pig, leave alone feeding a pig, but to feed together with a pig is just ultimate shame. And sometimes the realization comes in those painful ways where you literally are ashamed to even think about going back. You're saying, how am I going to go back to my father? How am I going to go back? I mean, all of this stuff has happened. How do I even start going back? And at that moment, that deciding moment is where you put yourself aside and you say, I'm putting me aside. I'm putting my pride aside he's saying i'm not going back as a son let me go back as a hired servant let me go back as a hired servant and at that moment we're not questioning his love for the father because at that moment he is even willing to go back to the father as a servant why because it is better in my father's house it is better in my father's house i've been out here i've seen it all i've chased my uh, desires and heart's attitude and it is better in my father's house i will go back to my father's house 
He's not going back to any other place. I'm sure he passed many houses he would have served under as a servant. I'm sure he toiled and said, I'm going to walk and go back. Where am I going? I will go back to my father. He's not saying, I'm going to go back and serve and get some money. I'm going back to my father. And that is the ultimate relationship right there. Going back to the father. Restoring the relationship with the father. But when he came to himself in verse 17, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with anger. I will rise and go to my father. Please remember that. That as we end this podcast tonight, I pray that each one of us will pick up that stick and go back to the father. The stick I told you, Simba Wakati, put a peg right there on that issue that came that is separating you between you, the separation between you and the father, that you will pick it up and say, Here I come, Father. Here I come, Father. I'll rise and go to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And this guy arose. Here is the interesting part. The father sees him and doesn't see a servant. The father does not see a servant. The father sees a son. The father sees a son. And that shame that was covering this boy, I don't even know how he recognized him. And uh, I, I know we are talking about a story here with so many parts missing. But one of the things you're going to realize is he recognized him. I don't think it was the same clothes he was wearing when he left. But there was something about that boy coming home that the father stood and looked and said, that must be my son. And many commented, as I've said, it's possible this father was always looking out. He was always looking out. He was always looking out. And one of the things Tim Keller mentioned is this. Uh, among, I mean, when you look at, at all of these uh, stories, is I like the statement he made when he said that uh, for each of the lost items, the person seeking went out. He went out, went out and looked for the coin, uh, went out and looked for the ship, I'll leave the 99 here. I'll go out and look for the ship. And the father goes out. Before the son gets home, the father goes out to him. He goes out to him. Look at verse 20. It says, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him from a long way. And he went out to him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Embraced him and kissed him. The same is true about the other son who didn't want, who thought he was living right. His heart was revealed also at that point. He's attributing the relationship with the father. He said, I've obeyed you. I've done all these things. I've done all these things. But see, the father comes out of the house. The father comes out of the house to invite this second lost son into the house to celebrate, to celebrate. And I think that's where we Christians sometimes fail. Bring me to my last point here. This is where we Christians sometimes fail. That we see our brother in a, a long way off, maybe trying to find their way home. And guess what we do? We gossip about them. Guess what we do? We begin to rebuke them even further for what they did. Guess what we do? We don't see the good in them at all. But it's interesting how the father has a different perspective. We can be lost. This is the message I sent out just before we started. So we can be lost and yet we are in the Father's house. We can be lost while we pretend to be the Christians 
who are living right. And that lostness is revealed with our attitude to our fellow brethren who might be lost. What is your attitude towards those who are lost? What is your attitude towards those who are lost? Do you seek him out? Do we seek him out? Do we try to bring them to the Father? And I think the ultimate question here, do we rejoice? Do we rejoice at their repentance? Do we rejoice at their repentance? And here's the two extremes. One who thinks he's not lost can equally be lost. But also that one who thinks they're not lost because they're living in freedom, and freedom here is in courts, they've gone about and they're living in reckless living and they think that is freedom, don't worry about them. One day they will realize. But I pray that if you're here and you've been lost and you realize you've been lost, that tonight pick up that stick and go to the Father. No excuses. No excuses. Sometimes we even blame those who are in church. I have lost, I'm lost, I've walked away and I begin to blame those who have remained at home. I'm not going back to that church because of so and so. And we blame each other. We blame each other. And I think this one, this particular son who wasn't, who never left the house, began to compare himself with the one that left. He says, Father, all these years I've served you. Okay? It's been, he, I mean, he recollects all these years he has served. If you, I mean, this you can find uh, in, uh, in verse in verse, uh, verse 27, 26, 27, and he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant, verse 27, and he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fallen calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came and entreated him, but he answered his father, said, look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed you and you never gave me a young God that I may celebrate with my friends. I have served you. And you, you realize in something interesting here, this guy recalls everything he has done and he's saying, not even a God. Not even a God. Really? Not even a, I deserve these things. I deserve these things. But I like the way the father answers him and says, son, verse 31, you're always with me and all that I, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now he's found. And now he's found. And I pray that at the end of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, we will be known to be the one that was lost, whether we were lost at home, but one that was lost and now is found. One that was a dead, but now is alive. Even as we think through the relationships coming to the end of our a series on relationships, I thought it would be fitting for us to just think about this ultimate relationship with God. We seek to restore relationships with people. We seek to be in good books with people. We seek people that love us, people that we share our souls, literally. We think about our, um, uh, our marriages. We think about our families. We think about our fiancé. We think about our boyfriends. And, and we, they're calling them heartaches. They're calling them broken hearts for a reason. Why? Because our hearts are knitted together that we cannot live without them. 
And when they disappoint us, when they sin against us, people cry. People feel like their hearts are being torn apart. But how is your relationship with God? Do you feel the same way? Do you feel the same way? And what causes us not to be interested in the things of God anymore? What causes a loss of appetite in the things of God? That, that is something we need to answer. What is taking away that appetite for the things of God? That we cannot say the same thing the psalmist says, that as a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. What is it that is quenching that appetite only meant for God? That's the stick I asked you to think about. And if this were a campfire, I would ask you to approach the fire right now with that stick and say a little prayer and say, God, all that I am, all that I have, all that I ever hope to be, I now and forever dedicate to the Lord Jesus Christ for his use and glory. All that I am, me, all that I have, everything that I have, my breath, my life, all that I ever hope to be, and my plans, and my dreams, and now and forever dedicate to the Lord Jesus Christ for his use and glory. Why? Because the relationship we are talking about here is one with God. Is one with God. Our relationship with God is more than obeying commandments. It's more than obeying instructions. When we reject him, when we reject the commandments, when we reject his instructions, it's him we are rejecting. Don't kid yourself. It is not for your mom. It's not for your pastor. It's not for your youth pastor. You're, you're refusing him. You're rejecting him. It's not your friends who you're disagreeing with and walking away and getting drunk and, and living another lifestyle because your heart has been broken and you think you can hurt them with the way you're living your life. It is God that you are rejecting. And so I pray that tonight we will answer that question. What is taking away this appetite for the things of God. And say a little prayer uh, right now. Just commit it to God and say, God, I, I just give this to you. And today I walk away from it. Today I walk away from it. One thing I want to ask you to do is talk to someone about the decision you just made tonight. Talk to someone. Don't keep it to yourself. Talk to someone. Send him a text and say, Hey, John, I, I made a commitment tonight. To live differently in the following ways a b c d and d will you hold me accountable to it will you hold me accountable to it the question tonight is what is taking away your appetite for the things of god and i think each one of us listening in tonight we can see similarities between us and these lost sons even for some who may think they're living right there are similarities between us and these lost sons as we think about our relationship we got it.